We're in the middle of our continuing sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, and today we're going to speak about faithfulness, faithfulness, the fact that God has given you his spirit of faithfulness in your heart. And that's one of the things I want to continue to emphasize. It's not about you, it's about him. When you were saved, he gave you these gifts, this fruit. And today's fruit is faithfulness. Now, the Bible has many heroes that exemplify faithfulness. Uh, For example, we start with Noah. Noah, who preached for more than 100 years, according to the theologians, as he built a boat out in the middle of nowhere because God told him to build it. Excuse me. God told him to build that boat, and so he did that, honoring God and continued to preach repentance for over 100 years. Uh, and they mocked him, and they jeered him, and he continued to be faithful. You see, that's the essence of faithfulness. I will not be deterred. I will not lose my sight. I will focus on you in every way. Uh, then, then we have the example of Joseph, uh, sold into slavery 17 years away from his family, cut off, winds up being in prison, and yet faithful, faithful, faithful to the end. Uh, so that God could bring the Jewish people out of Canaan and establish them in Egypt where they resided for 400 years. Faithfulness. Uh, And then even Nehemiah, Nehemiah, who there he is in captivity uh, in Babylon, and in captivity there he goes to the king and asks for permission to go back, go back and rebuild the wall. And there he is rebuilding the wall, the remnants are nothing left. And he's on the wall and he's being mocked by the pagans. You're a loser. This wall is going to come down. You have no idea what you're doing, and yet Nehemiah remained faithful to the Lord as he said, this is the call on my life. I must be faithful to him who called me. And so this is an incredible gift that God has given you. You see, you have the ability to be faithful, Uh, and I want you to understand that and focus on that today in this sermon. Now, in Matthew 25, verse 21, Jesus said these famous words uh, as he talked about the uh, miracle, the parable of the talents. He said there, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And isn't that the words that we long to hear from Christ himself? That when we walk from this world to the next, don't you want him to say, well done? Well done, my good and faithful servant. This is one of my favorite sayings that I believe the followers of Jesus long uh, to hear. We long to hear this as we serve God in faithfulness. And that should be, again, one of those things you put on your refrigerator. And this is what we say. Paul says if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we will have the very faithfulness of God, the spirit of faithfulness percolate up in our lives. But what does that mean? Uh, What does faithfulness in that sense mean? Well, I believe there are two interconnected elements uh, in terms of the word faithfulness. Uh, Being faithful means being trustworthy uh, and dependable. A faithful person is a person of honesty and integrity, someone who you can truly rely on without having to check on their performance. Faithful people keep their word. They keep their word. 
when they make a promise or they make a commitment to people, even in this world, they keep their word. They do what they promise. And this is what God wants us to do. They can be trusted not to cheat or not to deceive in any way. On the other hand, being faithful also means exercising that kind of trustworthy behavior over a long period of time. You know, it's not something that vacillates day to day, but it remains constant. When you're faithful, you're faithful always for the long term. You don't have to check up on faithful people. Uh, you know that the job that they did last week, they will continue to do it. And I have to say this church is blessed by the faithful and faithfulness of those people that provide services to the church. From the front right to the back, I see faithful people here in every way, and God will honor their performance. And so faithful people show that they are routinely dependable in all kinds of circumstances and in all kinds of ways. Faithfulness is the character of someone you know you can rely on. This is why faithfulness is the very fruit of the Spirit of God. And what I wanted to emphasize again, as I stayed from, said from the beginning, it's not something from you, it's something from God. He gave you this fruit. So the faithfulness that you will exhibit in your life is the very faithfulness of the Spirit of God. Now the faithfulness of God is astounding. Uh, one of the oldest poems in the Bible describes God as the rock uh, and highlights those qualities. If you look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 3, uh, it will say as follows, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong Upright and just is he. He's faithful, reliable, dependable. He never changes. He's there always. He, his qualities begin from the top and go right through to the bottom. Look also at those descriptions of God found in Psalm 33. We'll not read it today, but you can read it at home, in which God is extolled as being full of faithfulness, justice, and love. Now, for an Israelite, uh, the Exodus story proved all of those qualities of God uh, because in all things, throughout those 40 years as they wandered from Egypt in the desert, God proved his faithfulness and justice uh, to the Jewish people as they exited from Egypt. And in fact, as he punished the Egyptians. Uh, the Israelites knew their stories they knew the faithfulness of God, and they kept speaking about the faithfulness of God even as they suffered from his judgment because they knew they had earned that contemptibility, and they knew it over their long history. They knew God could be trusted in terms of everything that he had given to them and promised to them in every way. And so when they were suffering, you see, from God's judgment for their sin, they still came back and worshiped God because they understood the very characteristic of God was faithfulness and restoration. And that's exactly what God did. The phrase, great is thy faithfulness, a hymn that we sing often, 
comes right out of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23, where it says, They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, now, the amazing thing there about Lamentations is this came out of a time when Israel was destroyed, when the Babylonian Empire came in and conquered Israel, where they wrecked the temple, brought it down to its very base, where they took the Israelites prisoners, took them into Babylon, destroyed everything, put them under exile, and they would be in exile for more than 100 years in a foreign land, captive, and yet they sang this poem. Great is thy faithfulness. What a promise that is for us. As we go through difficult times, all of us, yet we want to be able to say those words, God, great is your faithfulness to me. I know you're faithful. I know you don't abandon me, even when I'm going through difficult times. Now, here's the point. The apostle Paul knew those scriptures uh, in the depth of his heart and in his memory. Uh, it is not surprising that he often reminded his readers of the great faithfulness of God uh, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's called you into fellowship. And then look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So God can be trusted, that is for sure. What an incredible verse that is. Yes, you're going to be tempted. Yes, you're going to be suffering. Yes, you're going to have persecution, but God will not let anything come before you way, your way that you cannot bear. And at the same time, he will provide a way out. Amen, church? This is the very faithfulness of our God. But can God's people be trusted? That's another point. Unfortunately, not very much. And that's historically. I'm not speaking of our church. I'm speaking historically from the beginning of the church uh, in Jerusalem. The story of the Old Testament Israel is one of their repeated unfaithfulness to God. Uh, and the Christian church history has not been much better at all. Uh, the faithfulness uh, of God to his people takes place despite their continued unfaithfulness to him and their willingness to deviate from what his instructions are. Uh, and this is one of the clearest, most constant threads that you see in Scripture. But there are exceptions. There were some men and women in the Old Testament who were exemplary, who had great faithfulness to God and God's calling on their lives, and we're aware of that. Hebrews chapter 11, although we're not going to cite it today, is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. Faith, And you will see there all of the great practitioners the heroes of the Bibles, and the heroines who exhibited great faith. Just look at the faithfulness of Moses. The writer in Hebrews, uh, speaking about Jesus Christ, compares Jesus to Moses in this one respect, his faithfulness. And you look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, which is on the screen. 
Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Look at one story in Numbers chapter 12. Moses was facing a crisis within his own home. His brother and sisters were tormenting him about his marriage. Uh, They challenged him. They challenged him on a number of issues. But he was a humble man and said nothing in retort to them. Finally, God had to speak up in defense of his brother. And look what God said there about Moses in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Can you imagine? I speak to him face to face. How dare you? How dare you try to speak out against him as you see the power of the anointing of the Lord? Uh, And so there it is. God singled out that quality of faithfulness in Moses. Just look at the list of problems that Moses faced. He takes three million Jews out of Egypt into a desert. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have a convoy of trucks. He doesn't know where they're going to be fed or where there's going to be water, but he relies on the faithfulness that he has with God that God will protect him. And then his own family criticizes him. They criticize his marriage to his wife. Uh, Then there's a growing rebellion of the people themselves. Then there are death threats, mutiny of key tribal leaders. Yet in the midst of all this, he remained faithful. What an example to you as you face difficult times. Have the faith of Moses. Stay strong. Yes, you're going to have good days, and yes, you're going to have bad days. But God says, remain faithful. God reckoned he could trust Moses. The question for us is, can he trust us? Can he trust us in terms of our faithfulness as we impact a lost world? Now, Moses, in two special areas, was very strong uh, and is a special model for us today. First, Moses had a complete lack of what I would refer to as selfish ambition. Complete lack. All he sought was to serve God. He wasn't concerned about his own standing. There was a time when the people came to Moses uh, and told him that there were two people prophesying in the camp. Can you imagine? There are two people, Moses, prophesying in the camp. Uh, And you haven't told them that they're allowed to do this. Joshua himself beseeched Moses, stop it, Moses. We can't have this. And yet Moses rebuked him uh, and told him to stop. And because Moses said that he wished that all of God's people would be prophets. How about that? He wished that the gift would be permeated throughout the camp. He wasn't concerned about his own standing. He stood with God. He wanted to serve God in every 
possible way. Another time, the people rebelled again. What else was new? (laughs) And refused to move into the promised land for the second time. Uh, God threatened to destroy those people. You remember that story. Moses, move aside. I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to start all over again with you. With you. You will be my people. Now, put yourself in Moses' shoes. How many of us would say, no, don't do that, God? Or would you say, go ahead, God, do it. I like the fact that I could be the legacy of the Jewish people, the children of Moses, not the children of Abraham. I'm fully fine with that. You understand what an extraordinary man this was? There was no personal ambition. And that's how God wants you to serve You serve, I don't care if you serve up here or you serve here or you serve in the back or you serve when nobody can see you. God wants you to serve without personal ambition. You understand? Because when you serve that way, you give the glory to him. It's not about us. We don't get the glory. It's not about us. It's about him in every possible way. Moses wanted to serve God in the best way that he could in the way that he was called. And when you walk with God like that, he lifts you and affirms you and extols you and your life, your life will never be the same. It's so important to understand this. Uh, And we see that every day in the life of our brother Moses. It meant 40 years of faithful obedience. How about that? 40 years of hearing complaints every day, of hearing rebellion every day of hearing I want to do my own thing in every way and yet he stayed constant with God you think you have it rough I mean how'd you like to be Moses and yet we know today Moses is with God uh, in an elevated position there in heaven now look also at the example if you would of the faithfulness of the teaching and example of Jesus Christ and our brother Paul Uh, Jesus, as the Hebrews pointed out uh, in that section of reading, uh, was even more faithful uh, than Moses was uh, because he came to accomplish the work that his father had given him to do, even as it would take his life. He did his father's will and finished the work right to the very end, despite constant obstacles and temptations human temptations and satanic. And so at the very end of his life, uh, he was obedient even unto death. And he could say in John 17, verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. I've given you glory. I finished your work. I've done everything that you gave me to do. And so Jesus called for faithfulness among his followers. That's what he expects from us. Just as he was the great mentor for that quality, he expects it from us today. And so following Jesus requires perseverance, uh, requires commitment, requires dependability, requires being trustworthy. It means denying yourself and taking up the cross. You can't be a follower of Jesus if you're a narcissist. You understand? If all you're worried about is your own position 
and your own status, you've already failed. Uh, being a follower of Jesus is not for those people who say, Lord, Lord, you remember. And Jesus said to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Faithfulness also means being accountable, materially as well as spiritually. Now, this is an important part of this sermon, and I've had it heavy on my heart. Look at Luke 16, verse 10, where Jesus said, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I prayed over this as I wrote this, and the question is, a lot of people think this relates to being a fiduciary in a business, uh, accountability in a business, and I believe through the Holy Spirit it's not. I believe God is saying to us, how are you handling my money? Whoa. John, that bothers me when you say that. I worked hard for my money. I worked hard. Nobody ever gave me any advantage. Don't go down that path. I've made that mistake in my own life. You know, when you recognize that, that God gave you health, he gave you uh, an intellect, he gave you opportunity. But the question there is, how are you handling God's money? He's looking at you. You see, it's not your money, it's his money. And there's the test. How are you doing it? If you can't be trustworthy in the little, in what God has given you, how will you be trustworthy in the much? And this is really a, a significant issue. You cannot serve God in money. So many of us are sold out to what's referred to in the Bible as mammon. It's not just money, it's power, it's all the issues that come related uh, to money. It's, it's a seductive source of power. It's a temptation and it's idolatry. I, unfaithfulness over money has been the downfall of so many Christians and especially Christian leaders. Think about that. All the Christian leaders that you've read about, how many of them have fallen either for sex or for money? It's almost a constant, uh, and you see that. And God is speaking to us about the required faithfulness that we have to have on this issue. And I pray that this touches your heart, that, that you speak to God about what your responsibility to God is for the faithfulness that he expects from you uh, for, for what he has given you. Uh, and I would say this, church, that this church stands on being transparent. Uh, and I would like to say that, that from the beginning when we publish uh, our annual income, people have come to me and said, I've never seen a church indicate the, the transparency that your church does. Every dollar is listed. And let me assure you, every dollar that you've given us is given back for the service of God. Not one 
dollar is taken to advance our own entertainment. God is my witness. God is my witness on that and will continue to be that way for as long as I can have breath and stay in this pulpit. And so faithfulness then requires integrity and accountability because it requires trust. You need to trust me. I need to trust you. It works both ways. And you can only really trust someone when they have proven themselves as being trustworthy, transparent, uh, honest, and fully accountable in all their dealings. For if they are not totally trustworthy and dependable in relation to money, how can you trust them in terms of anything else? My dad used to say that the only way you knew if a man was truly saved was through his wallet. And I have to say, you know what? I laughed when he said it 50 years ago, but it, it proves true. It shows your heart. It shows your commitment to God in every way. And so Paul was very cautious about the handling of money. Very cautious. He made a collection of money among the Christian churches at one point in Greece to take to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering, who were poor, who were in poverty. He wanted to do that. Paul saw this gift of money uh, from the Greek churches uh, as a real tangible proof, really, that these Gentile believers had believed the gospel and were giving back to the Jewish church uh, and obeying the trustworthiness that God had put in their hearts. He took great pains, you see, to deliver this money to those in need in Jerusalem. He demanded accountability for himself. Now, if Paul demands accountability for himself, the man who writes two-thirds of the New Testament, how much more am I? Am I to stand before the throne of God and not be accountable and not be transparent? Uh, and so we need to understand this, and I hope that God is speaking to your heart today. He's given you faithfulness, all right? He's given it to you. Here's the point. God has given you the ability to be faithful to your wife. He's given you the ability to be faithful to your children. He's given you the ability to be faithful to the church. He's given you the ability to be faithful to your friends. He's given you the ability to exhibit faithfulness to a lost world. He's given it to you. Now, let it blossom. Let it build. Ask God to strengthen and lift it up in every way. Uh, and so you understand this. Uh, this becomes a crucial part of our understanding of the fruit of the Spirit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Faithfulness, honesty, trustworthiness are all qualities that commend the gospel to a lost world. How do you think the lost world's going to come to Jesus? Do you think God is expecting you to go on a street corner and preach? And maybe he has. But the greater number of us, it's our lives. Our lives are the witness. The actions of our lives. How we walk with Christ. And that's what they see. They see it in your integrity and trustworthy. When you display that kind of faithfulness, the world notices. Notices every way. And so... As we started this sermon, we said that faithfulness also includes long-term, steady dependability, lifelong commitment. 
Faithfulness in that sense includes loyalty, which means wholehearted, life allegiance, born out of love in every possible way, sustained by constant gratitude. This kind of commitment means unwavering, unwavering obedience to Jesus Christ. It means faithfulness to the Bible. Uh, it means faithfulness to Jesus Christ. It means faithfulness to your wife and faithfulness to your husband. Uh, it means faithfulness to the church, standing tall in every way where God has placed you. This is the essence of what God expects from you. This is what it's all about. And he has given you that very spirit of God in faithfulness. He's implanted it in your heart. It's not about you. It's about him. This is important to understand. It means faithfulness. Faithfulness to the mission of God to the entire world and to all engaged in and around it. Faithfulness means you know what you believe uh, and you know why you believe it and you're willing to keep that commitment for the rest of your life. Faithfulness means being willing to live for something and willing to die for something. And so at the end of his long life, Paul could say those famous words uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We all want to hear those words when we step through the curtain from this world to the next. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's close the sermon with a prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your words. I thank you for this understanding of the spirit of faithfulness that you've implanted within us, Father. I thank you as we begin to understand how, con how conceivably important it is how it stands alone in so many ways, Lord. How we need to understand what our responsibility is in so many ways to show a desperate, lost world that we can be relied on. We can be relied on in every way. When we give our word, we stand by our word. And we stand by you, Father, to the end of our life. Be with us. Let this message resonate in our lives. Let us leave here today with a commitment to impact the lost world even more as we exhibit the fruit of faithfulness. We put this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.